morning we're going to read a few passages from the Gospel of Matthew. So if you want to get your Bible out and, and dial up Matthew, we're going to start with chapter 6. You can find it on that uh, table Bible you have there. The book of Matthew is the first of the New Testament. So go about three quarters of the way back and open it up. We are in week five of our Red Letter Challenge and the Red Letter Challenge, as you will recall, was a determination by our small groups and members of the family and people outside the family, for that matter, online and uh, places as far away as Ireland and, and California, because we get to see who's online sometimes in our live stream. And, and this, uh, this uh, Red Letter Challenge is a determination to read the red ink in your Bible, which is the words of Jesus, and to let those words impact you in a new and fresh way, in a way that might change your life forever if you really live according to the red letters. There were five basic themes that we're looking at that came from our reading of the red letters in the Bible, and the first one was being, just being in the presence of God, being who you are with God and knowing that that is acceptable as it is. And then there is the second theme, which is forgiveness. And forgiveness in this particular case, we talked mostly about how we forgive ourselves and accept God's grace and forgiveness for ourselves. And so... In that way, we're canceling whatever debts we hold against ourselves and uh, we're holding nothing against ourselves because through Christ, God holds nothing against us. If we will just accept that gift of grace, if we will acknowledge with a certain amount of fear and trembling and humility that we are without his grace doomed. And he loves us so much. You see that emphuseo that we got when we were created in Eden. It, it got polluted because of sin. And through Christ, we were made over again, born again, you might say, so that we might live in the presence of God for all eternity, even now, and therefore live infused with the Holy Spirit. And it all begins with humility, submission, and admission that you are guilty in the eyes of God, that we don't measure sin according to human standards, but by God's standards, we know that we need a savior and he has given one, it is Jesus Christ. And then we talked about serving, which is a natural expression of of this, this grace that is in you, this Holy Spirit emphuseo that's in you. And, and so you serve because you just can't help it. You serve because you realize that the, that the God of all creation has saved you for a personal relationship with his son for all eternity. And you didn't deserve that. He did it because he loves you that much. And when that really sinks in, you start serving him because you just can't help it. And now we come to the fourth of our themes, giving. Now, a lot of people don't want to go to church when the pastor is going to talk about giving. Because they assume that it's going to be about money. 
and the next thing we're going to buy or build and how you can help pay for it. But if you've been here for the five years, just short of five years that I've been here, you know I don't talk like that. We don't talk about money, but we will talk about giving. Because giving, it turns out, is like serving in as much as we saw by example how Jesus took the woman with so little to give at the temple treasury and compared her to the ones who had so much to give. But if you noticed last week, that story was about the spirit of the gift, the heart of the giver, and not the size of the gift. No, actually, today's topic of giving has more in common with the second topic of forgiving. Isn't it interesting that giving is the larger part of the word forgiving? And now we're looking at giving. Now, there's something I didn't say in the forgiveness message that I will say now because it lays out very well the most important aspect of the giving theme. Forgiving is accepting that your debt to God has been canceled by Christ's redemptive act. And so you know that you don't owe God anymore. Your, your fine has been paid. Your penalty has been paid. But we do need to talk a little bit about how you apply forgiveness in your life. And it is in this way very much like the topic of giving. Forgiving, after all, is when you cancel a debt that you're holding against somebody. It's really that simple. Right now, if you are still full of bitterness, rage, anger, whatever you want to call it, over a wrong that's been done to you, then you're holding open an account that is past due against someone whom you believe owes you. That's what forgiveness and unforgiveness really comes down to. And what's really outrageous is that more often than not, that debt that you feel is owed to you, you're the only one that knows about it. The person that you hold this anger against, this unforgiveness against, probably has no clue. And you know in your heart of hearts that if you told them off, let them hear exactly what they needed to hear from you about what they owe you, they would look at you in astonishment because it didn't make any sense to them that you'd be that upset. Or worse, they might turn on you and say that you owe them, right? We know how this goes. Part of the reason that we're so plugged up, so, may I say, spiritually constipated because of this unforgiveness in our lives is because we know that there's no solution to it that involves the other person doing what we want them to do. And if you ever talk to someone who's even witnessed the execution of the person who murdered their loved one, they'll tell you that it really didn't give them peace. It seems that even when somebody pays the price that we feel they owe, it doesn't satisfy us. And that's because at the end of the day, it's our problem, not theirs. So we understand that forgiving is about letting go, about releasing the debt that we feel we are owed, just as our Savior has done for us. 
And we, like so many against whom we hold a grudge, don't even understand the depth and breadth of our offense. We can't even comprehend how desperate our situation is if it would prevent God from enjoying our presence when God created us for his enjoyment. So God cancels our debt, not because we are not guilty, but because we're guilty but forgiven. And he asks that you do the same. Cancel the debt that's being, that, that's been plugging you up, that you've been holding against another person. Just cancel it and then see what happens. Now, maybe you can already guess where we're going with the topic of forgiveness then, or, or giving rather. I beg your pardon. I've just been talking about forgiveness. I want to talk about giving because giving's the same. Giving is the same. It's about letting go. And that's where we have to really be honest about our relationship with stuff. You know, most of us are slaves to our stuff instead of servants to our King, Christ Jesus. You know what it means to be a slave to your stuff? It means you spend your life like a draft horse pulling a heavy wagon full of junk. And your whole existence is defined by pulling this wagon along with all this stuff. We're slaves to our stuff instead of servants to King Jesus. No wonder he said, my yoke is easy. Now there's, a, there's another version of that that explains that his leadership is profound. But in this case, let's take it literally. Instead of picturing a draft horse, just picture a couple of oxen with a big wooden yoke over their shoulders, pulling all your stuff. And guess what? You're one of those oxen. And Jesus says, drop that yoke and take mine. It's easier. Jesus said, no servant can be a slave to two masters. Such a slave will hate one and love the other or will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I would say God and stuff. Most of us are slaves to our stuff and not servants to King Jesus. And the reason we know we're slaves to our stuff is because of how much of our life is ordered around maintaining and acquiring our stuff. Come on, admit it. You've got subscriptions to things you've forgotten about already. It's never been easier to subscribe to something and then forget that you have a subscription to an app, to a streaming something or other, you know. And, and then there's the things. The things. I want to tell you something very personal here, and I know many of you have been through this too, so I'm not alone in this, but it's going to be next month. It'll be two years since my father died. And I remember in the few months after he died, each of us siblings had taken a turn at going through his stuff to see if there was anything we wanted to have. <clears throat> and, you know, my dad was Mr. Fix-It, Mr. Build-It. There wasn't anything he couldn't build, fix, or accomplished when he set his mind to it. And he taught us all to be the same way. And, and, and there are tools that my dad had in his workshop that I kind of wanted, only because they were the same ones I borrowed every time I needed them anyway. And, you know, he would just say, don't buy that. I've got that. You know, my dad's workshop was like a hardware store 
where you could borrow things and give them back. And, and so as time passed, each one of us kind of made little piles of things we thought we'd like to have and then whittled our piles down. And, and then, you know, most of it went in boxes and went to places like Goodwill and St. Vincent de Paul, most of it. We kept things that were precious to us or that we needed, and he'd say, well, I'm not gonna use it anymore, so you might as well have it. So, in a way, through those things, we keep his legacy of building and fixing alive because now we too are using the same tools to build and fix. And believe it or not, I'm pretty handy and I still have all my fingers. Even though I got a new radial arm saw out of the deal. But when I die, they'll have to decide what to do all my stuff too. Because it's stuff and you can't take any of it with you. But we sure do try hard to accumulate a lot of stuff. And so I need to speak to something that's going to be hard to hear, but let's just agree that getting new things is kind of a drug. It's intoxicating in a lot of the same ways that alcohol and 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 lush and, and, and rich foods are intoxicating to eat, and it's the same as drugs and things like that. It, it takes us away from our feelings for a little while to get a new thing. Uh, we get that subscription so that we can binge watch a whole series all weekend long because that way we don't have to deal with pain for hours on end. And then six months later, we realize we're still paying for the subscription. Let's read Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Has anybody ever had the experience of storing something that you just couldn't part with or you use once in a blue moon, only to open it up and air it out and find mouse droppings everywhere and long tears and rips or chewed up canvas or something. Anybody else ever had that experience? You know, where vermin and moth devour and something that we thought was really important to us is of no value whatsoever now. Does anybody know someone whose yard, maybe because they live in a somewhat rural area, looks more like a junkyard than a home? Ever driven down one of those driveways and there's farm equipment on either side of the lane all the way back to a house that's surrounded by junk and you don't even want to know what it looks like inside? I've been in those homes. But I might need that someday, you say. Now, this is a popular topic right now because, you know, a few years ago, the big thing was tiny houses. Now the minivans converted to sort of nondescript travel trailers are the big rage. 
People are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on these Mercedes minivans and their conversion into something that they can take wherever they want to go as a home away from home. And I think I can understand the appeal of that. I like to travel and explore myself and uh, lodging's not cheap, but you know, it is still a matter of spirit for us Christian believers because so many of us are slave to our things instead of servants to Christ the King. Can you imagine being unburdened of stuff? I mean, seriously, how much of your life is spent maintaining stuff or periodically moving it around to make room for more stuff? Do we even want to talk about those storage places that are popping up everywhere for our stuff? I mean, seriously. I go back to what I said a minute ago. If we're honest, it's more fun to get something new than it is to have something new. And that's why we're always getting new things. That's why so many of the things that we buy aren't built to last anymore because the manufacturers are catering to our desire to be, you know, thrifty and yet have more stuff. Here's what Jesus says. Read Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 40. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. I just had a random thought. Goat is what we like to use to describe people like Tom Brady. Greatest of all time. Those are people who get a lot of money for being the greatest of all time and have more stuff than everybody else. Just a thought. He will separate the sheep from the goats. Then the king, that's Jesus talking about himself, by the way. The king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. That would be the first emphuseo. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in person. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Can you imagine how uplifting it would be to be unburdened by stuff and the debt we accumulate to pay for our stuff so that we could just give generously to our Lord? All right, let's stop for a minute. 
I like to be realistic about these things. You know, I've told you all this before. You know, if a total stranger was at your house and you're getting ready to eat supper and then suddenly you all stop to talk to someone who isn't there, they would think that a little odd. Okay, so let's just acknowledge that we're Christian people who are a little odd because we talk all the time about this Jesus that you can't really see. And this God that you can't really visualize, it's not like we go to see him in person every Sunday morning, but we believe that we are experiencing his presence. We believe the Holy Spirit is coming. Some of you may even believe, and I hope this is true, that you are hearing his voice through me. But this person, Jesus, you don't see him right now, but you will one day when he comes in all his glory. But for now... It's a matter of faith. And, and so let's be honest then. When we talk about why our things or the lack of them matter, when we talk about giving and why it matters, we have to understand what giving even looks like. If it's going to be giving in the spirit that it is intended in this particular passage, then it is Jesus saying, give to me. And the way you'll know that you're giving to me is when you give to the least of my brothers and sisters. See, there's a concept about being a Christian that I think escapes a lot of church people and it's something we must not continue if we're serious about our, our walk with Christ. Because you were born again, you were forgiven of your sins, you were born again in the Holy Spirit, that new and better and improved infoseo has been breathed into you. It's no longer your breath that speaks or sings, it is his breath. It's no longer your blood that circulates to make your mind function, your heart function, and all your extremities function. It's his blood. That's what it means to be a born-again believer. And if that's the case, then when you're looking for Christ, you need to look at each other because there he is. There he is. God willing, you are hearing his voice right now. God willing, you are serving each other and therefore serving him. And that's the point that Jesus is making in this passage. That's what giving is. And you know what? It doesn't have anything to do with how much money you have. It doesn't have anything to do with how often you volunteer at church. But boy, it sure has a lot to do with your stuff. Because Jesus said, you cannot worship two masters. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve him and your flesh. So let's just say it again in case you haven't memorized it yet. Many of us struggle because we are slaves to our stuff instead of being servants to the king. And what he's saying is you're going to leave your stuff behind and your service to me will follow you into eternity. When Warren Buffett dies as the wealthiest man in the world, you know how much he's going to leave behind? All of it. He will become all the dust and dirt and soil that we talk about every time I stand in front of a casket and say earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And people will go through his stuff. Are you slaves to your stuff or servants to the king? And if you are a servant to the king, then your stuff, your wealth, it all belongs to him. 
and is all meant to be used according to his divine purpose. That is what it means to be a disciple. I want to leave you with this, and it's a little broad for this topic today, but it bears repeating and it's worth mentioning in this time that we're living in. But, you know, our denomination is going to split someday. I don't know when it's going to happen officially because certain parties keep putting it off, but it is going to split inevitably. And here's why it's going to split. It's not what you think. It's going to split because there are two kinds of religion in this world we live in, a religion of stuff and a religion of spirit. It's a religion of getting whatever satisfies your flesh or sacrificing your flesh for the sake of your king. Okay, And so the reason this denomination is going to split, the reason the denominations before us have split, the reason that Christians will be divided from now till Christ returns is because there are people who are trying to serve both masters. At the same time, they want to satisfy the flesh and get whatever they want, which means they cannot give 100% of themselves to the master who is Jesus Christ, the King. You can't be a slave to your stuff and be a servant to the King. So no matter what anybody tells you, what will divide our denomination ultimately and divides Christians all the time is a commitment to flesh or commitment to spirit. And the flesh says, yeah, but I need this. It's worth getting a second mortgage. I need this. It's worth changing the religion to accommodate my flesh. I need this. I deserve this. According to scripture, you deserve to go to hell. <laughs> Sorry. According to Jesus Christ, you're forgiven and you will receive eternal life in the Lord's house. According to scripture, you're filthy. According to Jesus, you've been washed clean and you can be in the presence of God. You cannot serve the flesh as a slave to your stuff and to your wants and desires and be a servant to the king. That's what giving, according to the red ink, means. Let us pray. Lord, you spoke plainly today. Thank you. Now, Lord, bless us with courage and determination like we have never known to make this paradigm shift toward believing that there's nothing more permanent, more important than serving you and reaping eternal rewards. Help us to let go of our flesh and our stuff so that we can be free to give for the joy of giving, knowing that it's you whom we serve. Amen.